1: Celebrate Lightyears podcast, we are back. Andy Lou, Sam is Fendiari. Sam, this week we've got special guest, Dave McMenamin from Clutch Sports. Or, I mean, from <laughs> from
2: ESPN. I'm just very excited to uh, collaborate with Dave this week. <laughs>
3: Any more? <laughs> that being the chaos.
1: We're, 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 that's just the start. We're gonna we're gonna keep going down the line here. No, but we appreciate you having you on, man. I, I didn't actually think you would, but um, but no, it's, it's it's good. This is fun. Uh,
3: yeah, I mean, I, I still haven't met you guys in person, but, uh, you know, the magic of the internet, I feel like I've gotten to know you guys a little bit, your personalities and, and, and your work and all that stuff, so yeah, why not? Let's do it. It's, it's the holidays. We were supposed to do it in person uh, in, in, in Oakland, but we, we'll we have to do it with the Skype uh, podcast. Yeah, Andy and I started
2: our uh, gentrification process by not going over to Oakland a year, <laughs> a year before the Warriors, so...
1: Oh man, that's so so. How did you, Dave? How did you kind of? Because uh, I remember when your your tweet first came out. This is what everyone's gonna listen to the podcast for. Sure. And me and Sam, me and Sam, before the pu we're like, all right, we gotta dig up some tweets. We gotta talk some shit. We can't find the tweet.
3: Yeah, the, the tweets are gone. Uh, I, I made that decision last summer because um, I just got tired of you know whatever. <laughs> If Steph Curry, it's not even like Steph scores forty in a game. It'd be like he would hit two threes in a row in, in a quarter, and I'd get twelve retweets and, and people call me trash and any, any other word in the book. I mean, listen, um, I didn't want um, that to define my NBA coverage. That I've been covering the league for thirteen years, and you know, is it? I think it, it, it's kind of like a a study in. In what draws attention, you know, like I'm not a negative person by nature. I love the game of basketball. I've really dedicated my life to the game of basketball. And so, you know, if anything, I usually get accused of of being too soft on on players uh, by, you know, the Twitterati out there. And so, like, one of the few times I just go straight up trashing someone, it wasn't even honestly, it was not meant to be a severe slight to him um but obviously that's why it was took taken and then obviously I ran with it a little bit uh in that night but the way people responded to it it was you know the most engagement I perhaps <laughs> I've ever had on any any story or tweet or radio or TV or podcast appearance and um you know I, I just I just wanted to not that not have that be a thing that you don't want to be a continued conversation well, I mean l- listen had I written like a a treatise on it? Had yeah. it done like a Jerry Maguire-type stayed up in the middle of the night and handed out blue pamphlets to everyone that got in the work the next day about how Steph Curry is not a franchise player, then yeah, sure. Um, this was a a, a quickly thought-out list of, of players that regretfully included Karl-Anthony Towns uh, way <laughs> prematurely, and, and maybe someday he would be deserved to be included in that list. But you know, it, it was an exercise quite frankly, in, um, you know, uh, the, the, the power in omission when um, obviously because I was covering the, the Cleveland Cavaliers, uh, I guess for three you're years gonna, at that gonna point. You're going to get no love from Barry. Yeah, him. I mean, the Warriors, <laughs> Warriors and Cavs are one of the, you know, that will go down as one of the great rivalries in NBA history perhaps a one-sided rivalry most of your listeners would say but but certainly we got some great finals matchups out of it and um you know uh, my opinion whether it, it was influenced by others or not people would say that it was uh you know like me carrying the water for for the, the Cavs.
1: so you know, uh, rich paul rich paul influence tweet right
2: there. <laughs> <laughs> so i have so i have a couple um A couple things on it, because I I think I understood what you meant by it, which was uh, essentially uh, a lot of Steph's influence is based kind of on context. Like, he draws doubles probably more than anyone, but you have to have someone to take advantage of those double teams he draws. And that that kind of how he has kind of an indirect impact on the game that's as opposed to, like, I mean, LeBron's – it's pretty straightforward if you watch LeBron, like, his impact. Would that be like yes. a fair way of describing what you're? Yeah, trying I think to drive so. So, like,
3: I think the terminology of franchise changing—it was looking towards the future, so it was hypothetical, which I did not explain in the tweet. But my thought process was: if you were to start with an expansion team, team number 31 in the NBA in Seattle, which players, which handful of players in the league would you you immediately? If you got that player to your team with the other 14 roster spots unfilled, no coach, no GM, no nothing, you feel like that that player could lift you almost immediately to where you want to be. And obviously, Steph Curry deserves all the credit for the way the Golden State Warriors have changed as a franchise. So it wasn't trying to throw dirt on what he had already accomplished. It was more looking forward. And you th- go ahead.
1: No, I, I, I'm more. I'm gonna take a hard left turn because I'm curious about something. You cover Kobe, right? Correct. Um, what What does Steph fans have to do to get there?
3: <laughs> <laughs> oh, to, be, before they, are. what was the terminology the game of the zones did on, on <laughs> Christmas Day or whatever? Kobe Stannies or something. I, I, yeah. I don't know what what the the word they use for it. Amin, Amin oh, Hassan definitely uses that one. Yeah, Amin uses that. I think it a different.
1: Yeah, because you it. know all of this well, I'm sure. You know the fan reactions and all that there. I mean, Laker fans are insane, as I'm sure you know now, again, that you're covering right. them again. So I'm kind of curious that kind of that reaction that you got there about Steph, like, what is it on the realm of, like, what Kobe fans would actually, or, like, how would they react if, if something like that happened?
3: I mean, and that's a, actually an interesting way to put it. And I guess that also allows me to, I guess, believe that you are putting Steph Curry in the same conversation as Kobe, <laughs> which, like, I don't do, but I it's not, it's not like, a crazy premise. I mean, the guy has two MVPs. The guy has three rings. I don't think he's going to stop at three rings. Uh, there'll be more that he adds, and he, he could match Kobe with five, and then he'd have five rings and and more MVPs than him. And, the you know, what's that conversation about? But I just, I guess, whether it was... Uh, sleeping too much on those accomplishments that that he's had or just, quite frankly, viewing him as a wonderful player. Incredible talent. That that never gets mentioned. Incredible talent. (laughs) Just the collaborative talent part gets mentioned. Incredible talent. Uh, (laughs) But an incredible talent that thrives in a a cater-made system with also wonderful pieces around him. And that's a sign of a great player. I, I was never trying to suggest that he wasn't a great player. It was just more like, could this player, with you know, four mediocre players on the court, could he, could he do the stuff that he's doing?
1: Yeah, and then that that's uh, yeah, that that's always that's kind of like the main argument I think too of uh, the finals MVPs and and why that's always why Warriors fans, I think me more so than Samra, always went, okay, KD sits out a game, Steph jacks up you know 25 shots, and it's like, all right, we're back. This is this is what we wanted. This is, this is all we've ever needed. We don't care if, if the Warriors win fifty two. Actually, they might win fifty two this year. But we don't care if they win fifty two games. Uh, at least Steph is gonna, you know, average thirty points again. Blah blah blah. But
3: and that's the uh, the wild thing to me though is like our Warriors fans contributing to the demise or potential demise of this team. We're not demise. I think they'll still no. Be like that's awesome, fascinating. Awesome question. Yep. You know, like like just we know that Kevin Durant. This yep. is why I like Kevin Durant. Uh, he's he experiences the burns on Twitter and feels it the same way I do. And so, like you know, even though he has you know a stature in in the, the craft that he's been trying to master for years, anonymous people on Twitter are still get under his skin. And there's a lot of them who are Warriors fans who you know work oh, with yeah. the Alter Steph and almost like enjoy when katie struggles because it only goes to serve to the greatness of steph curry
1: so so i, I think it's that sam agrees with this he he came up with this one it's so on twitter there's you get a large majority of people but it doesn't represent most people so most people are yeah they try try
2: telling your family member who doesn't use twitter about like some sort of argument there they look at you like you have <laughs> some major problems
1: the problem with KD though is he sees like what Sam or what I'm tweeting like, hey, or whatever it is, or whoever's tweeting, right? Or, like some dude with ten followers. Like he sees that, and then, but he cares about it, and then he acts like this is how uh, what a lot of people feel. And I think that's it's putting the yourself tough thing in a it's
2: putting yourself in a bubble and thinking this bubble is representative of the larger view.
3: Well, do you do you guys have iPhones? Yeah so course, like yeah. I, in the last what six months or something like that there's been an update where you get a weekly notification of how much screen time you've spent oh, yeah. on average per day which is super depressing for me it, sometimes <laughs> it's been like over 10 hours i'm like what am i doing with my life but you know that is the portal that many people exist in right and so like the the vast majority of people don't have access to kevin durant you know like because he's out of practice or he's spending time with his loved ones or he's playing in a game you know uh, or he's he's on an airplane flying to a game but when he's on his phone all that that negativity literally has access right into his 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 yeah. you know thought process into his mental well-being etc and so while it might represent a minority in terms of the, the total fan base of the warriors it represents a majority of the interaction perhaps that yeah. he has with the fan base.
2: Yeah. And, and I would, and, um, and bringing it back to the original thing, um, there's definitely like, he's not as loved as Steph Curry. Uh, no one will ever be as loved as Steph with, with this fan base. LeBron could come to the warriors and, you know, warrior fans would still kind of, you know, get, more, ex- trade get more excited about um, anything Steph does. Um, that's just a thing. But I, I actually think the negativity he receives from the, the broader NBA fan base who constantly tells him none of his achievements with the Warriors mean anything right. is probably going to be the bigger driver if he does leave.
3: Yeah, that, that's, that's a fair point to make. I mean, it, on some level, when he's able to step away from the situation, whether he stays with the Warriors or not, but when he's just removed from – this incredible run that they've been on he'll feel so grateful for his time with the warriors like i'm i'm sure of that i mean the the two finals mvps speak to that him hitting like that that shot from the left wing in back-to-back finals like i mean that that will be the reel that they show when he makes into the hall of fame what do you Um, go for it
1: what do you? Yeah, what do you? So let's talk about KD. We we still have to talk about LeBron, but let's talk about KD since since we're on here. What do you? So what do you, what are your thoughts here of, of the kind of this whole season? I'm sure sure you've been tracking it because it's been he's been the Warriors' best player. Steph has missed like 13 games, and he's just been re even like the times where he's moody after after what Draymond did. He's uh-huh. been so great, but.
2: In all facets, team, by the way. He's like everything. Yeah, he's. he's I mean, he's averaging a career-high in assists, but it, they're basically using him in kind of the de facto way that LeBron's used in every team he plays on.
3: Yeah, and, and, and he's a better defender than though? LeBron is uh, by a, a large degree at this point. Um, the thing I, I just am curious about, uh, the Encore product, for the most part, on KD's, uh, you know, his, his contribution is unassailable, uh, especially this season when you see guys like Clay Thompson and Draymond Green struggle with regularity. Now, I thought Steph was playing like phenomenal basketball when I was tuning in. You know, I watched the Warriors. I don't know, probably five or five of the first ten games or whatever. When um, Steph was just just wonderful, and then obviously the the groin injury has caused him to play some catch up, but the all the other stuff is like. You know whether he's talking about LeBron or talking about any other player. Why do the interview with Rick Buecher and, and make those type of comments? Um, right. Because listen, whether you know LeBron told Rachel Nichols that Kevin told him that they were somehow whatever the conversation was was skewed in some way that wasn't totally representative of it. But even still, if if you're going to go on a podcast with Chris Haynes and Tell Chris that after the Draymond incident, you you don't appreciate people going on TV and talking about what was going through your head. Then why are you talking about what's going through other players' heads in terms of wanting to play with LeBron? <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> he I needs mean. he needs PR help. He needs <laughs> he needs what LeBron does so well. Like uh, he LeBron's great at just knowing what to say, knowing when to say, knowing who to say it to. Say it to right and and just being fake if necessary and just being fake honest if necessary. Or just not
2: saying anything a lot of like <laughs> learning how to answer a question without giving any away Steph does that too where he was just kind of like the, the most generic like non-answer to anything like katie will tell you what he's thinking in that moment what he's actually thinking and, yeah i mean in in 2018 with the way social media and the internet works like i I just don't see it as, like, a a positive return on investment statement.
3: Yeah, and of course, as someone who, like, covers the NBA for a living, I appreciate the honesty of it. Like, I would never say that, but, like, he can also realize the, the impact it can have on how he's perceived or, you know, and again, controlling the narrative is, like, a term that it shouldn't promote to, for an athlete to to do, but, you know, it, it can make their life easier. Uh, and it can also like, you know, like it can also just kind of help them out in terms of where you want to go. Like it, you know, obviously someone like LeBron, you know, you would, Dwayne Wade just said to Joe Varden of the athletic where you know, he, he knew last year when he came to the Cavs that LeBron's ultimate goal was to play for the Lakers. Now he didn't say when that was going to happen, but he said that was his ultimate goal. Yep. Um, but LeBron, with all the media interactions that he had last year, knowing that it was, you know, potentially his last year there made it all about putting that story as far away as possible and making it about, I'm playing all eighty two two games. Uh, I'm, playing all 48 minutes of a game seven of a Eastern conference finals. I'm hitting game wing shots and going a victory wrap around, around the arena around the arena, excuse me, in Cleveland. And it, so he gave us stuff to cover that was very, you know, pro. Right. You could have uh, about, about his time in Cleveland. because That was literally the story. I mean, that, that was, we weren't like making that up. Like it was the things, tangible things that were happening. Right, you could have so, you
2: could have written a LeBron free agency story every day if you wanted to, but you gave you other stuff to cover.
1: Sure, yeah, Dave. And- Dave, we call that LeBron agenda. That's how that's, <laughs> how
2: that's
1: how it works over here. We we're curious about the vibe between the two because last year there were pieces. I think was it Winhurst that had written one that about LeBron taking a rest during games, um, and, and how that's like helping him play all forty eight minutes. And we're just sitting here like, really like come on
3: yeah i mean yeah lebron said something along the way along the lines of he saves pocket of pockets of energy (laughs) which is another way of saying loafing on defense but you know if you say it one way it it can get described uh, one way you know uh he's i mean i I do think he's a smart man i also think he's (laughs) been in the national spotlight like uh he's about to turn 34 uh it's been almost two decades and so he's picked up on a lot and and it's not necessarily playing the media, but it, it's working with the media or it's knowing that they're going to write something. I mean, that's what we're employed to do. We're, we're going to cover the NBA on a daily basis for about 10 and a half months a year. Um, and so if you give them something that will get covered, like, and it's not like, of course, everything he says, like, I'm just like, okay, I'll go write that. No, but, um, you know, if, if there is, uh, Uh, you know obviously a thought on his end and 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 he's you know having a conversation with you that he's not having with someone else well you know uh, there's a lot of people out there that creates an audience that that like to read or hear exclusive information from LeBron James Um, and guess what they feel the same way about Kevin Durant yeah yeah. Kevin Kevin Durant could follow that playbook um and he's um, trying
2: he's trying to in his own way it's, he's got the chris haynes podcast and all in that right? way. yeah
1: uh, very odd he's got the bill simmons where he just kind of sits around and bullshits for like two hours and we're just uh,
3: eats pretzels yeah <laughs> on the podcast
1: then he has he has rich Cl- see that the difference the other thing is like i mean katie why don't you get yourself a rich paul why do we have why is rich climbing on these things what is <laughs> What does what does he do? I don't even know, Dave. If you can speak to this kind of stuff, but like, come on.
3: Can, I, I, did, can he hire a guy
1: that knows like <laughs> how to talk to people?
3: I, I don't know Ritz too well at, at all personally. I mean, I, I know a little bit about his story. I, I do think that he's someone that you can tell from the relationship that Kevin Durant trusts so much, mm-hmm. and obviously, um, for the most part, like. I would have to say, if he's an advisor of Kevin Durant's career, it's worked out because Kevin Durant is in in, in such a a great space in terms of, you know, what he's accomplished on the court, and it seems like he's stacking money off the court by being in uh, Silicon Valley. But um, yeah, I think there's just like tact, and LeBron didn't have tact for a while. Like I think, you know, in Miami, he had tons of missteps. You know, he had the the press conference where he said like i'm reading all the things that people are saying out <laughs> about me out there and I'm, I'm taking notes you know like super petty and um you know petty doesn't come off well when you're uh, a certain i also level.
2: um i also wonder if if lebron went through that first year of the miami heat um you know and just kind of like all the missteps and just i mean it was pretty mean The whole thing like on both sides like everyone hated them if that happened in 2018 if it wouldn't like change the entire perception of his trajectory the whole way forward because it feels like media has adapt even in just like eight years taken just a completely different term in terms of the way things stick
3: oh yeah i mean he could have gone by way of obviously again, injuries and all that stuff, staying on the court and doing things is going to ultimately tell your tale, but he could have been, like, a golden boy on the level of a Dwight Howard, and, you know, where Dwight Howard eight years ago versus Dwight Howard today, is a <laughs> perception is totally different. Um, Andy, I, my question to you, though, is, like, were you inspired by Stephen Colbert? Like, how did you come to have this persona, which is, I don't believe is an actual... <laughs> Persona. I think it's kind of you know a mask you wear. You may you wear it well. But when did you kind of come to that decision like this is gonna be my best path to have an impact on the crazy world of NBA Twitter? It's it's funny
1: because Sam has known me since the beginning and he always calls me and he always calls me because he knows like the the games I watch. He he knows like I like, you know, for example, white centers that set good screens and pass, you know, rebound. Like, those are like some of my favorite players, Right. right? So um, he knows that that's how I got started. Um, at a certain point where I started to realize that, you know, I'm not going to be a reporter. Uh, I don't want to be a beat reporter. I don't want to do all these things that I kind of set out that I thought I was going to do when I first started uh, in the industry. Well, I was like, all right, I'm going to get a credential. I'm going to ask a lot of questions. I'm going to do all this stuff. Right. Then I realized, that, okay, that's not as fun. Um, I'm going <laughs> go to, uh, and then, you know, and, and I was working another job, a full time job. So I was like, you know what? Like, let's kind of make this more fun, more entertaining, uh, especially for the people that follow me. And of course, if you're going to do the type of trolling that I do, you also get more recognition, right? And everybody always wants, you know, more, uh, more attention. And so that's kind of where it is, um, in terms of, in terms of kind of where it like blew up, it was just the warriors became good. Cause I started yeah. in Mark when Mark Jackson was last year of coach of his coaching, uh, uh, thing. And then the Warriors became great. In 2015-16, I was still like, all right, I kept it pretty chill. But then in 16-17, uh, sorry, in when the 73-win season, when uh-huh. um, people are like, all right, well, they had a lucky, you know, lucky championship, you know, blah blah, this and that, uh, Steph, all this stuff, right? That's when I was like, okay, you know what? I can kind of make all of this jokes, and it's not ever worth. You can speak to this. It's not ever worth actually arguing with people in the mentions and actually having a conversation that's never worth it now so you just say make a joke say something funny say it's a troll and then just leave it right that's it because the moment you start engaging is when you fuck up.
3: Honestly, sm- do, do you even read the mentions though, or are you just oh, of put it out there. Okay. Oh, I, I love yeah. <laughs> they they come
2: to the they come to the group chat, and you will send me the most racist ones he gets, and just laugh about it. Is.
3: But um, yeah, but you know that's life. Yeah. So, was, no, so no no blocking or muting or anything. Reporting. I on only
1: only I only block when somebody threatens like violence. Okay. Um, but like. I, I don't, you know, you have, like, what, 180,000? I, I, I don't have, I have, like, a, a percent of that, right? And so I don't get, like, I if I threw out, like, a Steph is collaborative talent tweet, and, and I, I wouldn't get nearly the same attention, you know, like, uh, in, in terms of that. So, like, I, I think people think I get a lot more um, hate than I do, which is funny because Sam was actually crazier than me. In 2016, <laughs> with the slander that he was doing. But he's calmed down a lot. You know, old age and all of that. So well, now... Wait, say what's
3: an example of that, though? Yeah, I mean, we're not going to I, gonna I go was there. aware... Oh. Okay, all right. Oh, oh boy. <laughs> have, uh, you, have you scrubbed some tweets from your timeline, just like I did? Yeah, and um, I just deleted
2: everything before 16. Because it was God. just getting too much. It was, it was easier than scrubbing through stuff. I was like, oh, I kind of want to take that one off. I think yeah. it was where um, someone... Like, obviously, a lot of them were mostly met in jest and uh someone sent something to like my employer and i'm like all right this is Uh, this is not fun anymore and the employer didn't care they just the only thing they cared about was it was centering hours i was at the office so (laughs) (laughs) Uh, and so i decided um you know it's not, you know, it, it, I guess it was that moment it hit me. It's like, you know, this this links to, like, my name in, like, a real-life way. It's not just kind of right. fun. So, at that point, it's like, right, I'm just going to curate this in a way that, you know, hey, if, if my grandma sees something here, it's, you know, whatever, right?
3: So, are you guys, like, happy to have, that there's guys kind of like Justin Rowan out there who kind of took up the mantle yes. during the the Cavs Warriors years where he was stirring the pot, too? Oh, Yeah. Yeah,
1: we love that because it's it's because we don't we try not to take offense to any jokes, right? Like if people want to make fun of Warriors fans being bandwagoners or want to make fun of like all this stuff, it's fine. Like it's it's all I I think you said it once, too, Dave, like it's all it's just it's part of how social media is. Like if you take it personally, you've already lost. Like that's that's it for you. I I think what me and Sam, at least for me, I think what we may regret a little bit in, in 2016 is probably just is the uh because that was when donald trump was elected we were pretty Mm -hmm. we were pretty hard on that line uh with with oklahoma and cleveland and ohio and maybe should have toned that a little bit Uh
2: yeah it was it it was um it was it was funny for us but then you know when things happen you look you're like all right that was probably you you didn't need to take it that far anyway
1: yeah especially (laughs) sam's like all right let's move on (laughs) Um,
3: (laughs) which is fine by me too but like so i mean the 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 best the the really fun part about having twitter and having social media be a part of the job is like there's so many waste of time parts of this job where it's like i'm at a rental car center waiting for the shuttle to come or i am in line at tsa pre-check you know like and it's like okay i'm just gonna scroll twitter and interact with a fan or see mentions and like all those things are fun and sometimes people point out stuff to me or or, like they take a screen grab during the game of some play that i hadn't seen and it's like okay i'm gaining value from this right it's just all the other things where it's like it i can relate to a player on a a much smaller scale like you said if you're twitter following andy is a percentage of mine my twitter following is an even smaller percentage of someone like lebron or katie or any of these guys you know and um just to to feel that inundation where you literally can open your phone and and you can be scrolling through dozens and dozens of negative tweets in a row not necessarily even always directly Towards me, but just towards the team, you know. After they, the team I cover, if they they lay an egg or something like that, it, it's it it's, it's something where yeah, it is, and it and it's like I, I guess it shouldn't matter, and you should try to remove yourself from it to some degree, like because you know you still have your real world and you have your friends, and you have your, right. you know you're, you're getting paid by your employer and all this stuff, and Twitter doesn't pay the bills, but I don't know that it for some reason it has a hold on on me to some extent I think like uh, most people who have been on Twitter for a while would probably agree with that
1: you you just you just explain why Katie's going to be in New York next year.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Is, well, yeah, Nick's Twitter will love him for a, a, a certain amount of time.
1: <laughs> but then
3: he gets Kristaps better tweets, and you know, then he'll be going to the next team.
1: <laughs> and you thought and, and you thought that the Warriors media was, you know, like maybe asking too many questions about, you know, uh, what's going on between you and Draymond. I mean, shh, wait till, wait till New York media comes around. And starts uh, and and you go maybe you know ten for twenty nine in a game and make a couple moody grim you know expressions. That's that's going to be fun. But um, we we want to talk about the um, Cleveland LeBron. Mm-hmm. And we want to talk about the Baker LeBron, and we want to talk about like the differences um, in terms of just like the vibe, I guess, um, of the team itself. Um, just kind of last year, this year, maybe even before that, because it does feel like LeBron it feels like he's lived in LA his whole life <laughs> at this point. And it feels <laughs> like this is it for him. And he's, it feels like he's happy. I don't know, but he's definitely making it out to be like, Hey, like this is, this is me now. This is kind of who I always am. And, and I mean, it's working. I just, I'm sure you have more to say about this. Than, than
3: sure. That. Well, I mean, like, you know, from the time that you guys have been like around the warriors, like, you know, that even if you have the most access, as a reporter there's not that much i mean (laughs) you're not getting a ton of time and so like we can't really know these guys i am never going to be that person who wanted to say like oh i know he's happy because he was cracking jokes at practice i don't know what he was doing the other (laughs) 23 hours of the day but you know when i talk to people who are around him talk to people he works with um, talk to people who have you know um, been uh, around him for for you know, the entire run, you know, we're talking a you know, decade and a half, they are telling me that he's happy. And and he's telling Rachel Nichols on Christmas Day that he's happy. So, like, I'll buy that. I'm not going to second guess that. So, I, I think there's a level of comfort that a lot of people experience in terms of knowing who they are and being okay with it. I thought, you know, Draymond Green was really interesting. One, I thought it was one, actually one of the most interesting things I've had, I've heard anyone say about LeBron James in the time I've covered him. I think he was on the shop and he said, like, when you started, like, embracing, like, calling yourself king and, like, you know, this is the way I do it. And, like, it, yeah, rub some people the wrong way, but it was kind of like, you seem to feel more comfortable with stuff. Like, rather, uh-huh. you know, and, and so once he kind of got to this level in his life, it's like, is he really going to get mad about, you know, some analyst out there who, you know, doesn't <laughs> think he's as good as Michael Jordan? When he has made $765 million in his career and, you know, is taking his family out of a tough city like Akron and, you know, setting himself up for his kids and his kids' kids and his kids' kids' kids kids to have great (laughs) lives in the future? Like, no. So, yeah, I think there's a happiness there. The Cleveland LeBron, the first couple years before they won a championship, um one, I didn't know him as well, and so there's a push and pull to that, and there's always you're always on edge covering someone you don't necessarily know. Um, it's like encountering like an animal in the woods. It's like, uh, is this gonna be an animal that likes me? Is this gonna be an animal <laughs> that tries to charge at me? Um, but uh, there was also just that insane pressure of needing to win because Cleveland hadn't won a championship for 50 plus years. LeBron came back explicitly to do it. And there was uh, just drama every day. And um, so, so that was, you know, I, I look at the four years in Cleveland. The first two years were, were very much different than the second two years. You know, once they won the championship and LeBron tells Joe Varden the following spring that he has nothing left to prove in his career uh, when they were playing Toronto in the playoffs, it's kind of like, you know, like... It, it, the guys on that team, they want to win. Kyle Corver never won a championship. You know, he's putting everything he can into it to try to win. And, um, you know, the, the, there's, there's still a competitive spirit with that group. Um, but the, the stakes just didn't feel as high. I mean, a couple months after the, the Cavs won the championship, the Indians blow a three, one lead in, in the world series, you know, and, and Cleveland, like they woke up the next day and we're okay. You know, um, that wouldn't have happened, and so I, I think the team changed, the, the city changed, LeBron changed, and, and now you see a guy who I, I think he would certainly love to have a championship in Los Angeles to kind of put a bow on things. Um, but if he doesn't doesn't get it, it's it's not really going to change how he views himself or views his time in the NBA.
2: Well, yeah, that's, that's, oh God, go ahead, go ahead, Sam. That. No,
1: oh, I was I was going to say no that's that's interesting that last part right there because will will it not change how he feels himself in the NBA because that that would be three titles, right? That's one in Cleveland, you know, two in Miami and kind of nothing since then. It, it'd be kind of tough, wouldn't it though? Like I'm sure if
2: oh, see so I just I disagree here. I don't think um anything's going to change how he's viewed historically like LeBron the player um, I don't think anything that goes on anything that goes on from here can only grow the legend it's not going to like that's dim the legend if he never wins in LA but I do think if the Lakers never get better than what they're trending for this year which is you know 50-ish win solid playoff team um, and that's just what LeBron's time is there I wonder if Laker fans view him a certain way cuz like right now um it, you know the Lakers have been terrible for 5 years and they're relevant and it's kind of the vibe around the team I mean, Dave let me know if I'm wrong on this it seems like they have one of the better vibes around their team than most of the league just because it's kind of like first year being back relevant uh if that doesn't kind of progress i think it's going to turn into a weird situation there
3: yeah I, I mean i don't disagree with you that it could it could and it that, could make things uncomfortable in the moment for sure, right. and like I'm, I'm not also wasn't trying to suggest that like he came to there because there are people out there. Oh, he only came here to make movies to like yeah. that. Like no, like it's it's not <laughs> that. He's 34 years old. I mean, he still has a lot of basketball left to play. Um, I guess it's just more of like in the overall scheme of things. Uh, you know, Pat Riley said that he texted this to LeBron after Game Seven. Like you're free like, when he, you know, in Game 7 2016, like, that was such a burden on on him um, that he's operating without it now, and, and he's a competitive guy, and he's a calculating guy, and that he has, he came to LA not only with the thought that, you know, he likes these young pieces, but, quite frankly, I think he came to LA with the thought that, you know, this Warriors dynasty is
0: can't Close, go on forever. To, yeah, like
3: it. it whether it, whether it's this year or not, it, it can't go on forever. And so he wanted to have been the best possible spot to kind of be able to quickly turn another super, super team together um, in the wake that's created whenever Golden State takes that step backwards.
2: So let's um. So let I kind of want to talk about take, recruiting. I, yeah, that's actually, what I, actually I, I wanted to start with the the Laker young players. I've um there was a prevalent thought that, you know, LeBron would have no patience with them because in general veteran players, particularly ones who are, um, you know, as talented and smart as LeBron don't have patience with young players. Um, and it's kind of been the opposite in the sense of, um, maybe it's because they haven't had as rocky a start as he did when he went to Cleveland or anything. Uh, but it, is there is there a perception that he or does it seem that he like some of these young players more so than he's liked ones in the past, or are they all just kind of placeholders? <laughs>
3: oh, wow, sorry. For um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, I was like, oh, we could have this conversation, then the placeholder line. Um, <laughs> li- listen, I mean, again, this is just getting back. To, it's not a cop out line, but I only see so much between the interactions he has with these guys. But what I see is. A locker room that gets along with one another and, you know, see guys comment on what guys are wearing. And I see LeBron doing things like when he leaves the locker room at the other night and they're home in LA, like, you know, saying goodbye, like, you're checking out with these guys and, you know, dapping them up or, or saying, oh, hey, we getting dinner already and stuff like that. Like, I think that's a sign of a, a healthy team. Um, but they are coworkers. Like, you know, like. Right. And I'm not going to dinner every night with coworkers either. You know, you got to do stuff outside of work. So um, in terms of fit on the floor, uh, I think a lot of the guys have shown a lot of promise there uh, playing alongside LeBron. I think the one guy that remains a bigger question mark, and some of that's just because he's missed so much time this year because of the suspension and uh, a bad ankle sprain is Ingram. Like... uh, LeBron has repeatedly publicly said things to, to build that guy up. Like, you know, he told me on media day in our sit-down, like, I think he's next. Like, you know, he's the next, next thing in this league. Um, he, he also said earlier in training camp that he thought he could be, like, one of the best defensive players in the league. Like, things like that. He's building up his confidence. Um, I haven't seen a, a great fit with them yet. But I've also seen like some sequences where, you know, LeBron is activated on one wing defensively, Ingram's activated on the other, and then they get one of them gets ends up getting a deflection or gets the ball, and then those two on a two on one or three on two fast break. That's pretty devastating, and so I think there is a potential role there. Um, what a,
1: well, I mean, I guess he did trade Wiggins before Kevin Love, so he can he get he has Wiggins again. <laughs> Yeah, someone,
3: someone tweeted me that yesterday or today. Actually, they're like, I wrote this thing, like nine that's, things that's so you, might, no, not, you might not, might <laughs> not, you might not know about um, nine things you might not know about LeBron's thirty-first birthday. You know, whatever. Like trying to <laughs> figure out some stuff that has not been widely covered. And someone's like, "Well, why don't you write about how he traded Andrew Wiggins because he tried to get Andrew Wiggins to sign with Nike and then he wouldn't do it?" Like, okay, guess what? He <laughs> traded for a guy who won. He didn't trade a guy for a guy. The Cavs traded for a guy that he had a pre-existing relationship with, and they won a gold medal together, and then they won a championship together. So, and now he, you know, anyway, uh, I digress. But no, listen, all the guys in that locker room, they know what's at stake. Uh, they knew it was at stake last year uh, because they saw what happened with Julius Randle. You know, it's it's the the business of the NBA where. If you play for a team, especially a team like the Lakers, who their owner you know, was so cutthroat that she ousted her brother from the organization to wrestle control because they needed to win championships because they weren't serving their father's legacy without doing that. Um, that's the only thing that matters. And so if these players don't make a leap of enough forward as, as a group showing that they can win with LeBron, there, there will be changes that are made, and they all know that.
1: How come? So how come? Tell us why players don't like playing with LeBron.
3: <laughs> Sam, what what do you got? What's your question? Because
1: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got. I mean, he obviously wants Dame and uh, and uh, Kawhi, and it f- apparently Kawhi doesn't want to play there, Right? I'm just. I'm literally just going off of what what people write. And then uh, you know KD it doesn't seem like he's gonna be there. Um, you know, so so, so I, it I seems, seems like
2: the KD one because it he because he talks out of both sides on it that uh, no matter what he does with regards to that he's gonna upset someone.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean the KD one's interesting to me. Like I don't know too many players that take an off day during the regular season to spend a full day shooting commercial like they right. like Kevin and LeBron did last year. On a snowy day in Cleveland with Uber and Carry Champion, like <laughs> that's not that's not like a normal occurrence. Um, so that's, I mean, I'm not saying that that means anything. That's right. definitely going to happen, but you know, I also not going to say it's definitely not going to happen. Um, and then beyond that, like you look at all the other players that are out there, like you know, the, the Lakers have will have a, a slot for one max player, and all they need is one. And I'm sure they, the Lakers at an organization have, have a preference, like um, without directly quoting Magic or Rob Polinka, like I'm pretty sure the preference would look something along the lines of KD1, Kawhi 2, Jimmy Butler 3, or maybe even Clay Thompson 3, you know, Jimmy Butler 4. Like, yeah, kind of like the, pretty much the, just the, in the, order
2: of the best players available. <laughs> right, the
3: best players that are available are free agents. Um, who would play with LeBron? Like, you know, Kyrie Irving a great player, but he's not going to play with LeBron again. <laughs> um, so you know, you got that list, and then if they can't sign that guy, then they go to trade their pieces to try to get their 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 marquee number two next to him. And you know, that that's why Dame Lillard's in the conversation because he's under contract. That's why Anthony Davis is in the contract in the conversation at he's on our contract. But yeah, you know, this is just what, like, this is not unique to, I think teams that, that actually win, they just make sure they do whatever they can to surround their best talent with more talent. And so whether that be lucking into a, a, a salary cap spike that I you were caused say by, that. <laughs> <laughs> I caused you- by I a TV contract that, that perpetuated the Golden State Warriors being one of the greatest teams of all time, or whether that um, being a team that drafts really well. I mean, that's, you know, obviously that always gets more credit with what San Antonio did, you know. They tanked to get Tim Duncan, and then they drafted really well, and they didn't need to, you know, trade for or sign their other stars. They got Manny Ginobili and uh, Tony Parker to do it. But, like, other teams draft really well, and, you know, guess what? They don't win a championship like the Thunder, or other teams draft kind of well and you know they put together some of the pieces like Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid and and then they the other guys you know they kind of really hurt their careers like Julio Okafor um, you know and that's shrapnel that's at the side that you don't talk about um, because they're still pursuing that championship i mean it, it's just it's quite literally the business of the nba i mean like you know the, the cavs when they won in 2016 they had guys like Joe Harris that were there for half the season, Jared Cunningham half the season. Like, guess what? They were still trying to make tweaks, and you know, they brought in Channing Frye, and you know, they said goodbye to Anderson Barzal. Yeah, you know, it was like a long. Oh time Oh God, bad. don't
1: speak! Don't speak about. Andy. <laughs> hey, he
2: don't was, he about was NB, still key in Indies the title parks.
1: run. Yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> Believe us, he was. He was important. You know, you know. I'm, I'm curious because we always the jokes are always like, well. You know it's hard to play with lebron blah but like who like it's just tough to kind of see someone go in there unless you're a known you know second rate star right like like jimmy butler or like clay thompson like those guys where they know like hey i'm not gonna be like the main guy i don't really care and they for don't it, really
2: have the um, the ambition like like in clay george case. maybe yeah. yeah like it's like Kyrie clearly had the ambition to be the man on a team um and you know you it it seems like someone like Kawhi Leonard has that too so you can at least understand that, yeah. you can at least understand from the you know just kind of you play with LeBron it's it's always going to be LeBron's team. Um, oh yeah,
3: it, it will be, and and then, I mean that's you know but uh, you know someone like Scotty Pippen who's a colleague of mine now, which is also a cool thing to be able to say that. Oh, that's right. flex Pippen's right? There. A colleague, right? Big time <laughs> flex. But, you know, Scotty didn't get the dollars that, that Michael got, didn't get the credit that Michael got, but he also, those experiences they had together as winners have set himself up for life. Like, Scottie Pippen will continue to, whether it be, uh, you know, some sort of consultant with the Bulls or with ESPN or whatever else in business, you know, he is universally respected as one of the greatest winners. And the the main guy was... was Michael Jordan, but guess what? Being the other main guy was set yourself up for a pretty darn good life. Now, the money that these players make today is so astronomical, like really good players, that, okay, maybe you don't need to win to be set up for life. But, like, if it matters to you, like, guess what? LeBron, yeah, I know he doesn't have, you know, incredible amount of championships, but, like, he gets you to a winning stage with, you know, if you ask someone like, Kyle Corver, you know, what do those years in Cleveland mean after mm-hmm. being kind of an also-ran? Like, it means a lot. Um, and, you know, uh, I don't know. Uh, it, it, Kawhi Leonard already has a Finals MVP. Uh, Kevin Durant already has a Finals MVP. Clay Thompson already has three championships. Like, maybe those guys don't need that type of validation of playing with a guy like LeBron for this stage of their career. But I, I imagine there's going to be somebody out there And the question mark is, will that player be good enough to pair with LeBron and fit the right way as LeBron, you know, has father time take over or like, could like a team like Toronto or Milwaukee or some team that no one expected to really make that ascension the same way no one expected Golden State to make that ascension, all of a sudden take over the league and we're talking about all this, we're wasting all our breath, but it doesn't matter anyway because there could be some other super team that no matter who put their team together will be able to contend with it. That's uh,
1: that's the other thing, father time, though, is, is because I, I was just thinking, like, looking down the line, that Anthony Davis, he might not get traded, whatever, would be a free agent, but then we're talking about LeBron at 35, 36, and now now we're kind of hitting that stage where it's like, man, no matter, you know, no matter what you do, no matter what you put in your body, there's only so much you can do here before it
2: kind of, you can lock yourself in the gym as long as you want. You can't, you can't fight oh, right. it everything. All right, that's what I mean. Right.
3: You, you're talking about fruits, vegetables, and water, right? Putting your body because I'm not. I'm not going to be privy to any other type of <laughs> conversation we're having here.
1: Dave's like, I'm not getting aggregated for this. Yes.
3: <laughs> Hell no. <laughs>
1: um, yeah, it's it's tough. I mean, it, it's kind of um, it, it, for for the purpose of this season. I do think. That it's the Lakers and the Warriors, the top two teams, and I I don't. It's especially in the postseason, especially when it's a seven-game series, and you got to see LeBron. There's no team in the West that has like, or the East, I would say too, that has that ability. The Thunder
2: are the only other team in the West who stacks up as well, and I just have a very hard time seeing a best of seven with late game scenarios where one decision-maker is LeBron and the other is yeah. Russell Westbrook and that playing out well in the Thunder's advantage. So,
3: Well, you guys aren't alone in that opinion. I mean, a lot of people I've talked to around the league, that's kind of the way it's stacking up. Like um, Now, I think the interesting thing, though, is, you know, this was these conversations I was having a couple weeks ago, and literally in the last two weeks, the gold. Uh, excuse me, the Houston Rockets yeah, they, have seemed to have got to their stuff together, again. right? Yeah. And man, you guys put some dirt on their graves for the last couple of months. <laughs> so I'm curious if there's anybody out there in Rockets Twitter who like been waiting for this moment to like, you know, James Harden scored more t- points than over a ten game span since Kobe Bryant 2007. Take that, Andy Lou. You know, but <laughs> they, they they got they're their looking win. pretty good.
2: They got their <laughs> win last May with the Warriors. Essentially, I mean the Rockets lost in the best way possible, which is they were up three, yep. two and their best play or whatever, whatever you want to consider. Chris Paul went down. Like they, they didn't lose that series.
3: So you're saying, saying like the, the Cavs didn't lose in 2015. Cause they're up two, one that is missing Kevin. That's how they feel. Yeah. I'm just yeah. saying that's how, that's how
2: you feel in that moment. I mean, I kind of think Chris Paul's hamstrings are taking time bomb at all times, but right. whatever. Um,
1: and and he's washed. So that's the other thing. Like even even if he right, like even if he comes back, even if the Rockets make it again, like I mean, come on, are we really relying? Like Harden's great, but then we've seen Harden in the postseason. People love to roast like, oh, Steph's not as good as he is in the regular season. Have we seen James Harden play? Like have we seen him play? have we seen him go one-on-one against Kevon Looney? Like, I don't even know who Kevin Looney is.
2: My favorite and, my favorite stat of the last playoffs was he had over 40 in game one of every series. And then proceeded to shoot like under forty percent for the remainder. It was just kinda, it was just kind of yeah. like I mean when you run the same thing back and forth against a good team, they're going to inevitably just force you know force your hands. <laughs> but,
3: fouls, yeah, fouls are called a little bit tighter, or I guess a little bit less looser. tight, I guess <laughs> in, in the, yeah looser in in the, uh, the postseason.
1: That was uh, that was perhaps the best part when Harden didn't get the couple calls in Game Seven where he was flopping into those threes. And then it was all like, oh, the Warriors did this with the rest, blah blah. blah. And then they went on and missed 27 threes in a row, which I, you know, is that I didn't even know that was mathematically possible. But you know, I guess they, they just made one or two. It would have, been, it would have
3: been. No, yeah. I mean, guys hit them all year. PJ Tucker missed an open huh? and yeah, Harden, Ariza, yeah, Ariza,
2: who apparently. He, was the team's MVP considering how they started <laughs> this year? I, I think he was 0 for eleven or 0 for twelve in Game Seven. So, yeah.
3: what? Well, what Trevor Reese is thinking now with the? Uh, not only, I mean, he obviously he got his bag from Phoenix, but he gets traded to Washington, and now John Wall is going to go under undergo season ending surgery. It's
1: just, it's can so, he get Can he get bought out
3: again? Or I mean, I right, think got, he can just get traded. Yeah, I think he needs get traded, so he could end up somewhere else.
1: Got to be a Laker. He's got. He's definitely a LeBron vet. Like guy like he's he's the quintessential like just stand in the corner play some defense do some goon shit right like knock stuff out. like that's like that's the like that's the most lebron role player type of guy like you can just see it like i don't even know how he's not
3: a laker right now just it yeah, LeBron,
2: lebron do everything and i'll just i'll just make all the dirty work plays
3: well i do think he, he would help out the lakers so much. a lot do you think there's anything that the Warriors need to do? To short, I mean, obviously, Demarcus Cousins theoretically would be that that big piece. Uh, but do you think there's anything else? Damn,
1: Sam, we didn't even talk Warriors. I was
2: the Draymond thing is the most interesting because, um, at some point, Clay is gonna snap out of this. This is like the longest shooting slump I've ever seen from him, but nothing he's doing is like it's not like his shot has changed, like he changes form or something like that. It's just a really weird cold spell, but Draymond's the, the interesting one. Cause like, I mean, Christmas day was a perfect example. The, the Lakers defense on him was pretty disrespectful. Like just not even bought, they treated him like he was Tony Allen. Um, and if teams are going to do that the rest of the way, uh, it'll be interesting to see because, you know, there's, I guess he can just keep shooting, but how many does he need to, hit to make that actually hurt the defense you know hitting three out of nine i mean that's still nine positions where steph and katie didn't shoot the ball
3: right and i mean it was not only that but like they were you know sagging off draymond and stuff like that trying to limit the touches of clay katie and steph and yeah i mean then even if the ball's out of the hands of draymond like Alfonso mckinney getting more shots or like I mean, I'm not saying that this is something Steve Kerr can't figure out because I think he's as good a coach there is in the league. But it, they got to. It's something they're going to have to work with because I think more teams. is copycat league. You saw Portland do it uh, a couple days later and sag off Draymond again.
1: Yeah, the league. The league is is catching up. If not, you know, kind of caught. I think the Warriors' biggest advantage isn't schematic, right? They had lar- They had large schematic uh, advantages the last couple years. Especially before KD got here, Um, now now it's almost like they're winning on talent. Like they're gonna win this title this year, and it's gonna be on talent, unless there's some, unless they like, unless Steve Kerr changes his offense, right? And he does what everyone wants him to do, which is essentially just run pick and roll every single possession, right? Mm -hmm. Which none of us think he's like he's not gonna.
2: And and that's and that's what makes the regular season really annoying. Because there's no incentive for him to right. wholesale change his scheme for a, you know, December 29th game against the Blazers tonight.
3: Well, that's why it's really interesting, actually, to me. Like, the Lakers did do that, right? And I'm so used to just covering these two regular season games, Cavs, Warriors. To the point, And they mattered so much to the point where, like, there was that rumor one year that the Cavs were just going to arrest their guys because they're at the end of a road trip. And it's mm-hmm. like, well, we don't want we don't Warriors want to show to get anything, that. Though. Yeah, show anything, right? The well, Lakers got to play the Warriors four times, and so they break out this you know kind of radical defensive approach in their first game. Well, they got three more regular season games this year, and so they they That's do it again. They hide it like it, it's it's an interesting strategy.
1: No, yeah. that it, the, and Steve Steve waits till the last second. Sam gets annoyed at this every day, but he waits until the last possible second to make any type of adjustment, and then he'll wait another one after that he won't do anything unless the team is is literally down 3-2 in a series right um so like i think even i don't i think the warriors i don't think they're going to do anything that's the most frustrating part until april right like they're not going to do anything markedly different and so we're kind of stuck watching this this offense and it's kind of been that way for it's just not for the past week, right? This is not something that the Lakers threw out and, oh, my God, the Warriors, like... I like
2: say it, it got it out, more like, this attention is... because it was on Christmas Day, but it had been a thing that had been it's going on. It's been a on. while. Yeah.
3: Right. Yeah. But it, it's so difficult, though, because, one, because of the way the schedule has changed, so there's less back-to-backs. It also means there's less practice time. So teams don't practice a lot. he knows that if he overreacts to what's going on on the court, like... They could easily tune him out and be like, we've won three championships, dude. Like, <laughs> chill out. And so it's a tough spot for, for someone like Steve Kerr. I mean, the, like, some people around think the league he tried laughed at it time. last year. Right, like, when he, like, handed over the – when they played Phoenix, right? He yeah. He handed over yeah. the girls to the yeah. team. Like, that's kind of radical and it's kind of wild. But, like, it to me it was like saying it, that I, I recognize that this kind of sucks for all of us. Like it's not necessarily fun. Like a dynasty is fun when you're out of it, and a dynasty is fun when during you actually win and during the playoffs. But all the other times, it's it's kind of the worst because you are, you know, if you guys play pickup, like I don't know if you ever go and there's just one guy playing super hard defense, right? And kind of everyone <laughs> else is just kind of like that's Andy playing like a fun game. <laughs> that's no, that's what what the Warriors face like on regular season games. They're like, yeah, we just want to like. Yeah, and get a sweat, man, and like get a get a nice <laughs> dinner out to the game, you know. And it's like you got teams trying to make a mark on them, yeah. And that happens over and over and over again. Like it, you know. I think they're kind of over it.
2: Yeah, I think that um, in the summer they talked about getting younger, which is why they, among other reasons, you know, didn't really look to replace a David West, a Javale. Uh, Zaza and you know they Wanted to give those minutes to like a Damian Jones a Jacob Evans neither of which Worked out but um, you know Just because they thought maybe that would Kind of re- just give more Energy right because um, KD and Steph and those guys are Kind of they know they're only measured On on the playoffs the end of the Day yeah. so the hope was Putting young guys around them would kind of You know someone who's unproven Who this December game Does mean something for uh, would would reinvigorate them, and um, uh, so far it hasn't happened.
3: <laughs> right, and I guess it's not necessarily a youth movement, but I, I, I theoretically DeMarcus could provide some sort of extra motivator or, or like a guy in there looking to prove something.
2: I mean, but, they're they're yeah. going to at least have to figure some stuff out because you can't just... Roll out Demarcus and ask him to do what Zaza did, you know, like hey, just set screens, you know.
3: So you you have to like at least figure out how you're gonna get them. You
1: want them to be back too, right? Like they're not that happy that it's it's Jane genu- It's damn near January.
3: Zaza's right? job was to set screens. Or it was to injure players.
2: They <laughs> <laughs> go hand in hand.
3: <laughs> okay. Dave, Dave,
1: Dave should I, I picked up it up Twitter. after an hour. I picked up. Like, yeah, I was just gonna say that that you're you're getting it now, huh? That's yeah, yeah. Uh, fire off some tweets, but uh, yeah, I mean. <laughs> Yeah, so so what do you think? We're, we're gonna get you out of here. I guess last question: What do you think? What do you think about KD? Where he's going? Prediction, right? And then and what do you think about the Warriors? Are are they winning? Are they again this three peat like Kobe and Shaq? Like MJ? Is is that what's gonna happen?
3: So it, it's such a it's such a connected question, right? Like, in some <laughs> respect, you could say that if he gets the three peat, it's like okay, well, is the four B gonna be better, and so it's easier to leave, right? But. Mm-hmm. I, I, also, like, who walks away from a championship team when they're still in their prime? Yeah, Michael Jordan. And, yeah. uh, well, <laughs> good one. Did he walk away? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, maybe maybe and, the Maybe yeah. the
2: thirty for thirty will let us know what really happened.
3: <laughs> <laughs> uh, anyone listening to the podcast could listen. Uh, can tune into the thirty for thirty on ESPN Plus in, <laughs> in the springtime. Uh, but. Uh, I do think they're going to win, but I also think Katie's going to lose, which is kind of like excuse me, Katie's going to leave, which is kind of counterintuitive. Uh, you would think if they win, he would stay, but it just seems like he's going to leave.
2: The only and, it, um,
3: and I think they're going to win.
2: The only counter I have to that, and I want to get your thoughts on this, and then you know we're done and we've gone way longer. Um, <laughs> it the weirdest thing Katie does because I'm of the thought that he's probably leaving too. Like he just doesn't seem fulfilled. Um, but he does everything with the new arena that's opening next year. Like the only player. And he does all these events at Chase Center and markets. Like every, let me put it this way every other Warriors player is spending this year doing like a thank you to Oakland PR right. tour. Right. KD's spent the whole year doing a, you know, excited to get to San Francisco tour. Yeah. And I don't know if he clearly seems like, You know, he just kind of whatever he's in the mood for that day is what he'll say and do. But it's really strange to do all that and talk about how, you know, you're excited about the new building and then be the one to and then walk away, you know, right before it opens.
3: But like what is happening at the building? I know there was the day where he was wearing like the (laughs) socks and the boots and stuff like that. But like, is he is he meeting with the corporate sponsors there because that could benefit him even if he was playing I mean, that's, for the team? That's true
2: too. Yeah, I mean, all his San Francisco tech stuff can transfer to whatever team he moves to.
3: Right. So, um, I mean, again, like I think too. I don't think he is ever going to find peace as a warrior, unless maybe if he stayed like literally the rest of his career, like. And, and they and they ship and, out a couple players and, and retool, and right? they ship out players and they win, you know, seven championships right. or something like right. that. And it's like you 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 were one a or one depending on who the fan is on the greatest <laughs> team of all time. I mean, he would obviously have peace at that point, but you know, to have the patience to do that, and also, you know, listen, if Steve Kerr, who I find to be one of the, the more intelligent and likable people I deal with in the NBA when he says we're the most scrutinized team of all time. If with his rational thought process is saying that, then what are the less rational people saying? Like they, they probably feel like it's even a bigger deal than what they'd go through on a daily basis playing for the warriors in terms of the negative experience of the scrutiny. Well, I, so
2: I feel like Steve made that comment to make Kevin feel better. That, that seemed like one of those <laughs> media comments aimed at one player. Um, because I don't know how anyone. Could Steve say, reading the
1: tweets. I, I
2: don't reading know how anyone tweets. could say that um, the Warriors are you know more scrutinized than let's just say the 2010 11 Heat. Steve yeah. had
3: an accidental heard, tweet, you know. didn't he, a couple years, years? He did, ago? yeah. He yeah.
2: Uh, he's not a fan of Harden's uh, <laughs> That's out. what it was. That's what it was. <laughs> it's a Travel.
1: Uh, Steve Kerr's wife loves to uh loves to mention Sam and, and let him know of the of the slander that Sam's gives is all trash. So that's <laughs> always fun. You know, oh wow.
3: Okay. That is
1: that is Twitter. That is um, Twitter. So so, Dave, we are gonna let you out of here. You and for the aggregators, Katie is leaving. The Warriors are winning the title. Um, man, I did say I those two <laughs> things.
3: Yeah, <that's>
2: right.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate Thank you, you coming on, man. All right, thanks, guys. Great to catch up to you.